0: Hello and welcome to Planet Nola. I'm your host, Mary Jacobs. This is the podcast where we talk to people in New Orleans that are cool, doing cool things. Just some folks around the city that I'd love to shine some more light on. Today, we have my old pal, um, Kendra Unique, with us. Kendra is a dancer, an actress, um, general badass among the city. Uh, also, I was Kendra's first roommate in New Orleans, which is how we know each other. Um, I was like subleasing a room in a house that I was about to leave. It was a short, short amount of time, like six months, three to six months or something like that. And um, that's how we met. And I've known ever since and I've got to watch her little career grow in this city and see her get like asked to play parts now. Like go from just like coming from from the Virginia area, right? Virginia.
1: Yep. -hmm. And
0: you just moved here right after college,
1: right after 2015. Yeah, you brave. Yeah, like two weeks. Pretty. Did you just close your eyes and like point
0: somewhere? Like,
1: (laughs) uh kind of. I had a friend who lived here, and he was like, "Oh, it's pretty cool." And I was like, "Okay, let me do some research." And I was like, "Yeah, that sounds that sounds cool." And so I moved down here. I really didn't think too deeply about it. Honestly, had you ever visited? (laughs) No, I never visited. The first time I came was when my parents drove me down to move in with you.
0: That is (laughs) crazy. That is wild to me. Yeah. Like, you didn't even check the place out. You're like, guess I'm living in New Orleans now.
1: Yeah. You know, I did my research. I was like, let me make sure it has some things I like. You know, like, I found my dance studio, and I applied for some jobs, and, you know, was building some connections already. But, no, I hadn't visited, and I hadn't really, you know, met anyone what
0: was the (laughs) what was like the thing you had to adjust to first besides like leaving everybody you knew
1: um i guess just finding more patience on the road (laughs) (laughs) the driving was the first thing i had to adjust to because you know i grew up driving in the dc area where it's like you know honk honk vroom vroom Mm -hmm. we're going fast we're switching lanes you know and people definitely have more of a a relaxed view of how they want to move along the streets. Yeah, here. People ain't got nowhere to be <laughs> in this
0: city. People. Yeah. It, it's either they drive so slowly and horribly, or they sl- drive so recklessly. Like Bad especially change, lately, yeah. it's been like mm-hmm. hell on earth driving. I don't go on green anymore. Yeah. I wait. You have.
1: You absolutely have to wait.
0: I wait. Yeah. I wait. Also,
1: the lights here they switch immediately, whereas in some places there's a delay. There's a delay. So you have that little extra time, but that was one of the first things I was like, oh my god!" But I'm not talking about little extra time. I'm talking about people
0: coming from a block away, planning and on zooming. running the light. Yeah. I, I'll check and I'll like look and I'll wait and then I'll like lean a little further and then I'll go. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Like it's sketchy right now.
1: Sketchy. Mm-hmm.
0: I don't recommend it.
1: I don't either. So, yeah.
0: Well, Kendra is a triple threat. Which means if you don't know in the performance world, mm-hmm. it means she can, she can chew gum and tie her shoes. No, uh, she's a singer, a da- an actor, a doctor, a singer, an actor, and a dancer. A doctor is a dancer, an actor. A that's, yep. a, that's a double threat.
1: I'm a singer and a doctor. You're a Boom. singer and a doctor. Uh,
0: when you decided to come to New Orleans, were you like, I'm going to do performing arts there?
1: Um, yeah, that was kind of my whole intention. I was like, this seems like a cool place. You know, the Hollywood South vibe was still happening when I first moved down. So that was definitely my initial goal was like weasel my way into the film industry. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I did a couple of things, got a few little background gigs and some independent films, which has been great. But yeah, I've always been interested in the performance moving down here.
0: And so how'd you get into it? Like, how'd you break in? I feel like this is just a thing that I'm casting judgment and guessing on. But I feel like it's hard to initially break in. If you come to the city and you don't know anybody that's already in the performing arts, like, it can be pretty hard to, like, find that little in, you know? I know, like, we're kind of talking about, you're like, I just auditioned. Did you really just have luck, like, auditioning and...
1: I really did just audition and it wasn't that I, you know, booked every single audition that I got. I certainly did not, but I did, you know, make a lot of my good friends at auditions, like my best friend, Linnea, we met on an audition, I think that I did like five months after I moved down and, you know, even today we're still besties and, you know, just putting myself in environments and ending up different places, you know, at these auditions got me used to like, okay, there's a studio here, there's a here And you're like here, meeting people. Every year. time you audition and get a rejection, yeah. you
0: still met like all the people you auditioned for exactly. or and whatever. Like, like I think that yeah. makes a big difference.
1: It does, yeah. So that's kinda how I got the lay of the land. And then then I kind of found like dancing grounds through this like process and I was like, okay, I can like hang out here, volunteer here, take class here. So who all of you danced with? I've danced with Melange Dance Company. That's my most recent company. Um, Shift Collective, Narcisse Movement Project a few years ago. Um, I backup danced for a singer, Ari, at Essence Fest once. You know, know the
0: the dance world is one world. I mean, I'll, I'll come to your shows because I know they happen because I'm not in the dance world. Right. So I don't. I don't know what it looks like in Mm -hmm. the city other than the stuff you do, because I don't consume it. What does it look like? What's the dancing landscape like in New Orleans?
1: Wow. What an interesting question. It's a hard question, isn't it? That is such a hard question. Yeah. Um, We have a lot of amazing dance talent in New Orleans. So Melange Dance Company is a contemporary dance company whose mission is really to inspire change through dance so a lot of our content um, our most recent show was called rise for mother earth so that was a show about climate change um and we brought in a lot of stories um specifically louisiana stories um about like the rising sea levels and you know um cancer alley and st james parish um that's where my mom is from you from st james oh, uh-huh. oh yeah we yeah. did a, a whole dance all about St. James, really? and Their um, experience with like the petrochemical industry. So that company does a lot of, you know, activism through dance work. Um, and we have a lot of dancers who, you know, just like in the theater world, you have to always dance with multiple companies. So just to kind of name some, like companies that we kind of share dances with would be like Maroney Opera Ballet. Um, well, wait, LK. I'm confused what
0: that means. You yeah. share dances with people? Dancers. Oh, dancers.
1: Dancers. dancers. Yes. The dancers, you know. I was picturing like courting. One
0: person put their hand out, the Maroney Opera House, and then Melange puts their hand out and then you guys dance together like it's like a combined dance. That
1: would be cute. It would be real we cute. We should collab. Yeah, <laughs> you guys get jerseys
0: like sports teams. That would be so <laughs> cute.
1: Oh, my gosh. I love jerseys. I used to be a field hockey star. Anyways.
0: (laughs) Back to dance. They make (laughs) you feel cool. That's like when the kids get Letterman's in high school and you're just like, oh, okay, we get it. Like, you're cool. Team, Like, you know,
1: you're in that crowd.
0: I feel like the dance community is pretty young here. I could be wrong, but.
1: I don't know. I mean, I think some would say that it's young because I think that it's definitely growing in the last few years because mm-hmm. people are really trying to put efforts into connecting the different styles of dance like because there kind of is like a ballet world and like a contemporary modern world and then you're like musical theater jazz tap world right that kind of exists. um so it is growing and there is some more interconnectivity there but we do have a lot of you know great dance elders in town who have been, you know, doing that work for so long. We do have a lot of companies that, you know, come in and out a lot. Interesting. Like, interesting, Urban Bush Women do a lot of work here. Um, do dance
0: companies just, they tour? Is that what?
1: Dance companies tour. Yeah. And learn so much. Yeah. They, it's, I mean, it's very similar to being in a theater company. But I think.
0: What's dancers, the difference?
1: Um, well, we don't rehearse as often Because. We're just sweating more, I think. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I feel like the rehearsal process for dancing, yeah, is a
0: little bit more labor intensive than theater. Yes. Depending on the show. Yeah. Um,
1: And I think the pay is not as great comparatively. As someone who has done a lot of theater work and dance work, you know, dance leadership definitely strives to pay as much as they're able to, but the funding is more, you know, leaning towards theater. You know, for the higher,
0: which is higher just so job. wild because every friggin' little girl I know is in dance. Yeah, do you know what I mean? Like the dance industry mm-hmm. is huge. Like it's huge. We and, stay yeah. putting little girls in dance and little boys, but you know what I mean. Yeah, and it's like, oh, is this the industry that's underfunded in the arts because it's mostly women?
1: Hey. Can we talk about it?
0: Yeah, I don't know. It's just a guess. I don't know.
1: It? I mean, I definitely think It feels like it's not taken seriously. Issue. Yeah, it definitely is not taken seriously. And I think, you know, I teach dance to, like, little five-year-olds now. What do you teach? Well, you've so, taught my niece. Uh, yes, I used to teach her niece, yes. And she it was just so much fun. <laughs> um, but, you know, I feel like people sometimes see dance as, like, a gateway to other activities. And people, you know, kind of just drop their kids off and they're like, you know do whatever like they're not necessarily there thinking like about the dance they're like well we have to put our daughter in ballet just because all little girls do ballet and it's like a good way to develop their coordination and stuff like that but you know even growing up it was like we're just in dance because our parents kind of put us here yes but isn't that true about about
0: like (laughs) t-ball isn't that true about t-ball and all kinds of other little sports that them players make mad money
1: yeah, famous baseball players now though, they make a lot more money than a famous dancer.
0: I'm like am just curious of your own perspectives being a member of dance companies being a dancer like what your experience is like because here's the thing i could Mm -hmm. get somebody from the marini opera house leadership to sit here and tell me about how wonderful it is and how it's going and all these great things but it's like i want to know what the experience is like for the people that are making the art more than anything else you know like because the people that are making the art are the ones that are making the art art. yeah they're (laughs) the ones making the art and you know i love organizations and their leaderships but at the same time i'm like but i'm curious about the experience of the people and why they care why you show up mm-hmm. why you love it what it feels like for you to be in it mm-hmm. so yeah no pressure and i don't think anyone listening is like this person has to speak for all of dancers in I new know. orleans you're not <laughs> doing that don't put names. that <laughs> don't put that pressure on yourself okay, it's good. not that it's really not that it's more your exp- i just want to know about your experience yeah and what it's like for you and like why you do it and mm-hmm. What yeah. you've been drawn to over the years.
1: I do it because I love it. You <laughs> know, I go absolutely nuts if I don't dance for a long time. I'm like, I just get pent up. So I really just do it partially because it helps me just to survive. And I enjoy performing. I love drama. <laughs> and just being dramatic, especially if I have like, You know, an outlet to do that—that is also paying me. Yeah. Um. But yeah, I've loved being a dancer in New Orleans because there is a lot of accessible, you know, class opportunities, and there's a lot of. I feel like dancing
0: grounds really changed things in this city.
1: They really were, you know. A good reason that I am involved in the dance. Is it Laura? So is her name
0: Laura? Wait, Laura
1: Stein. Laura yeah, Stein. Yeah. I'll director. have to have her on
0: at some point. Yeah. yeah. Th- they have some really cool stuff going on over there.
1: Yes. I work there now. You do? As an employee. Oh, hell yeah. <laughs>
0: this is yes. an official commercial for Dancing Grounds. Exactly. Well, you know, my my Pilates coach, uh, Sierra Dietz, is also a dancer. Mm-hmm. And she yeah. dances at Dancing Grounds a lot. And I'm I'm a dancer in the sense that I dance for the feeling of it, not for like mm-hmm. the audience purposes of it. But I'm so scared to go to a dance class. Like, I'm so scared.
1: Oh, my gosh. Just started dancing around.
0: That's what that's what Sierra keeps telling me. She's like, look, you can just go to the classes. There will be Mm -hmm. people there that don't know what they're doing. And I'm like, I know you say that. But like, I really don't know what I'm doing. And (laughs)
1: like
0: when I'm by myself and I'm like jamming out to something and dancing, like, I think it looks great. But I don't know if I'm actually keeping any time. I don't think I have any like, I don't know how if I understand how to make pictures or whatever. Like I don't know any (laughs) of it. So I feel so silly, but she's always telling me, like, just go to Dancing
1: Grounds. Yeah, it's great. I mean, the classes are so accessible. They have a lot of beginner-friendly classes. And some of them are, like, follow-along sort of classes where you're not doing a whole lot of choreography. That's what I need. Some are, Yeah. That's what I need. So I feel like Laura's work-it-out class.
0: That's the one that she said. Then go, Mary. I know. It's time for you to
1: go. I know,
0: but, like, putting (laughs) yourself out there is really hard. I think you have to be really smart to watch dance sometimes because sometimes mm. i'm like there's some narrative stuff happening here and i'm not getting it because i'm not smart
1: oh my gosh i no, feel that way I that way i wish it was not that way because i want everyone to be able to watch and enjoy dance you know i feel like you don't have to be smart, oh i enjoy I it maybe like i think it's maybe just some people aren't as in touch with their bodies so v- v- viewing something where yeah. people are so deeply using their bodies to say something. It's like a communication
0: label. It's like a language. Yeah. It's a language. Exactly. But at the end of the day, here's the thing. No matter what, like say I watch a show about climate change and the whole time all I'm thinking about is like, I don't know, voting rights. (laughs) Like my interpretation of art is my interpretation of art. It is what it is. It is what it is. Like you can't control it at the end of the day. It can be a painting of a monkey getting its brain dissected and somebody can be thinking about Guatemala. I don't know. It's people's interpretation of art is allowed to exist.
1: Yes. And I love it. (laughs) I I love it. People are so creative and interpretations are even more creative.
0: Another really cool thing that you do is you volunteer, work with, give your time and energy to southern solidarity okay so i know southern solidarity um but i feel like i should not explain what it is so could you explain what it is
1: sure i will explain what it is we are a grassroots group of volunteers that serve unhoused folks in the downtown area of new orleans um as our capacity aligns so In the past, we usually were doing like seven days a week. Now we're down to about two or three days a week, but we go out and we distribute food, medicine, clothes, um, bedding. Um, Sometimes we can offer outreach, helping folks get signed up for phones and IDs. Um, So we just really provide as many services as we can, trying to connect folks with caseworkers for housing. Um, And yeah, so we're just a group of volunteers We are led by a wonderful group of black indigenous POC organizers um, who are supported by our white comrades to distribute as much mutual aid as we possibly can throughout the New Orleans area.
0: So y'all go down. You bring aid, like physical aid. Like some people Mm -hmm. are, you know, throwing money at you guys, but you guys are actually going out there or y'all are going out there and Mm -hmm. distributing the goods.
1: We load up the truck with food. And water, you know, whatever supplies we're able to bring. We try to always have, like, a first aid kit in case anyone needs something specific.
0: How big is the org?
1: Um, It depends. I think at its max, we probably had about, like, 60 or so regular volunteers. Um, but, you know, people come and go. But it's, you know, a decent size. We're less active now because since COVID, folks have had to go back to work. And, like, have kind of, unfortunately, had to reprioritize towards... Each of our own capitalist endeavors, including me, yeah, but um, but we still try to get out there as much as we can and you know stay connected with our people that we serve, so you know,
0: do y'all have yeah. folks that are in the unhoused community that are <clears throat> like have become kind of a part of y'all's community? like does anyone like work with y'all when y'all go down there or they're regulars? I don't know how it works.
1: Yeah, um, we do have a few folks that we see pretty regularly and we have had some unhoused folks volunteer with us to go distribute food Um, and we try to, as much as we can, have them lead us and have them tell us what services and what things that they would like and, you know, kind of have them guide us as to how we can be most useful to them. Um,
0: That feels really different than other uh, organizations centered on the houseless population because it does feel a little bit like we're on the outside kind of, uh, th- this is just my general read of how people perceive houseless populations. It's like, well, if you did this, if you got a job, if mm-hmm. you were not drinking, if, and it's like all of us outside that are more successful at capitalism like mm-hmm. point in and say, this is what you need. So it, the fact that you guys are like, what do y'all need? Mm-hmm. And like actually listening to that yeah. doesn't feel like people do that enough.
1: Yeah, people really don't. And I think that it it can end up, you know, causing more harm and putting more pressure on people, you know, who may not be able to do those things that we can do, you know, because there's a large neurodivergent population, a lot of disabled people who right. can't just walk up somewhere and you know, just apply for a job or maybe they've been on, you know, the streets for a long time and don't have, you know, a new shirt to wear. Yeah, there's just like so that. many
0: barriers so, that nobody thinks yeah, of. Yeah, there's
1: a lot of barriers. And we try to really just be like, what do you need? And if someone is like, I need a shirt and new shoes so that I can go to this job, we're like, OK, we can do our best to try to get this to you, you know, when we have the capacity. So it's, it's best to be guided by it, the people that you're serving, just across the board, you know. Yeah. And it makes for just a healthier organization, and we're able to be more joyful with the people that we serve because they know that they can trust us, you know, with the things that they have to say and you know their experience. And yeah,
0: is the best way for people to support Southern Solidarity? Is is it to volunteer, give money, or give resources?
1: Um, yeah, all, is it three, all of them. All three. Is are there a great. best? Yeah, um, (laughs) I feel like the best is whatever you are able to do consistently. Hell yeah. Don't overreach and burn yourself out too quickly. But just whatever you're able to do, make sure that it's consistent. So if you can give, you know, $10 a month or if you can come by and make sandwiches, you know, if you can whip out 50 sandwiches in a couple hours, you know, and then go home. There's so many different ways to be involved. So the best is whatever you can do consistently.
0: What do you typically do? For me right
1: now, I am picking up our food from Turkey and the Wolf. Um, They are a restaurant that partners with us where folks can add on a little extra to their bill and they make up big trays of food for us to pick up every week. I also manage the finances. So oh, that's I work so with cool. I feel like nobody yeah. does that. <laughs> what
0: the hell? They're like, we are yeah. to donate a portion of these proceeds to da da to da-da-da. This is like, nah, you give us a little extra money and it goes directly to this food yeah. that we make every week. It's
1: great. Yeah, so that's my, you know, a little task. I just drive over there, listen to my audio book, <laughs> and pick up the food and I drop it off at our HQ at First Unitarian Universalist Church. On Claiborne? On Claiborne. Yep, that's where we distribute out of. And, um yeah. And I do the finances, so I, you know, kind of track our budget and make sure we have receipts and everything and are working with our fiscal sponsors. Kendra, we
0: have to take a break. Okay. We'll be right back. Hello. It's your host, Mary Jacobs. I'm sitting here with My producer, Carrie Mulder, and we are so excited to be bringing you Planet NOLA this episode and every episode. We really believe in this podcast Mm -hmm. and the work it's doing in New Orleans to build community, to reach out to people, Um, and we really love what we do.
1: Yeah, we love our guests, we love our audience, our listeners, we love each other. It's just a big love fest.
0: So if you love this podcast and you believe in what we're doing, it would mean the world to us if you considered subscribing to our Patreon. We've just launched it. The lowest tier is $5. Mm -hmm. And we are just really trying to get this podcast to pay for itself a little bit, Mm -hmm. um, maybe support ourselves just a little bit more. Mm -hmm. We're both creative people who have a lot of projects, and this is a big one in our lives. So if you love it as much as we love it, um, it would mean the world to us if you considered subscribing. There is bonus content.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's really fun. It takes a deep dive into the episode, kind of circle back to some of the topics. they've
0: been fun. yeah, super we basically fun. record with the guests as soon as we're done their episode and do a more candid version of their podcast. Mm-hmm. It's shorter but it's more self effacing and it feels like just real real. yeah you know? it's it's BTS behind the scenes. It's the BTS. So if you want more Planet Nola content, you could subscribe to our Patreon and mm-hmm. get it. It would mean so much to us. So, okay, we'll let you go back to your episode now, but please consider. Thank you. Bye. This episode of Planet NOLA is brought to you by Vitality Community Fitness. Vitality is a functional training gym located in Metairie, Louisiana. And at Vitality, we focus on members as individuals. That's right. We don't want people together. We don't assume that everybody has the same goals when they step into our gym. We also don't push things like body ideals or diet culture. We try to focus on the full person, and we try to give an experience that matches that. We've got incredible coaches. We've got an incredible community. And if you're looking for a place to call your new gym home, Consider checking us out. We offer a three free class trial. That's right. Literally, no commitment. You can try three of our classes in a week to see if our gym is for you because ultimately, we want people who want to be there. And if it sounds like this might be the space for you, please consider checking us out. You can go to vitalitycommunityfitness.com, click the contact button, and get started. Hello, we're back to Planet NOLA. It's me, Mary. I'm still here with my buddy Kendra. We've been talking about Southern Solidarity the dance landscape of new orleans (laughs) in the world's funniest way and we we oh we were talking about on the break how Kendra's like a very big gardener but it also reminded us that your garden is can you explain is, is southern solidarity just like gardening in your garden
1: yes we built uh like four raised beds in my backyard um you know with the southern solidarity gardening team and it's been So much fun. We were a lot more active last year. This year's been a bit hot and dry, Mm -hmm. um, you know, and a little bit busy to do as much activity, but it has been such a great learning experience and also a great teaching experience to like kind of have other people come to my house and like, okay, let's put all these tomatoes in together. (coughs) Excuse me. Um, Or like, let's get these tools and like build another raised bed and like get to shoveling.
0: Um. Yeah, so yeah, we grew a good amount of food <laughs> And if that's the there. food y'all use to make food Or bring to the house's populations
1: Yes, we would try to incorporate it into our recipes For our, you know, chef team um, Mostly it was like tomatoes and tomatillos and herbs That we did really well at um, yeah. And so it kind of, it wasn't enough to obviously create whole meals for hundreds of people, but it right. did supplement, you know, what we were bringing out to people and, um, you know, hopefully it can grow or I inspires other people to grow yeah. food and, you know, a lot of the garden team have gardens at
0: their homes now. So, you know, <gasps> that's really cool. That's <laughs> like great. the dream. Yeah. yeah. You're a huge garden advocate You're always like Grow your stuff Kendra also does this thing On Instagram That I always compliment (laughs) her on I bring it up Every time I see her Where she walks around And like just like Points out things in her garden How they're growing But she's like doing it In this very like Sing songy (laughs) Like sometimes actually Singing voice And it's very soothing It's like I don't do ASMR But I do (laughs) you Going through your garden Singing to your plants I do that
1: Yes You know maybe I should Shoot some ASMRs of those Because it's just Just so fun And like it really is like my pure energy, just leaving my body. You like it. I see something. <laughs> I love it. Like You're at I your best being in your garden. There. Absolutely, yeah. Because it just kind of makes me, you know, tune into the little things and really just be like, okay, this is still growing. Like, it's good. You know, I can trust in, you know, the things that I have done out there and the work that I put in so that, you know. There's life out there, and it feels good.
0: It it feels like we're in the end times, you know. Um, When we're recording this, the Supreme Court just did their dirty on Roe v. Wade. Mm. Um, So this is probably coming out way later, but it did Mm -hmm. just happen. Um, And I feel now, I, I think this is what your stance is. Building a garden is like a little way to be a disruptor. It's a little way to be... It's like a little act of resistance, right? Absolutely. You move yourself a little bit further from the mainstay yeah. of capitalism and its need to keep you working and to make money to buy food, to buy shelter.
1: Absolutely, yeah. Because, I mean, if you can save, you know, that little extra buck or whatever on your food each month, you know, you can put that towards something that you value, you know. And our food systems in America are trash and Everybody needs to do their best to pull away from them. Um, you know, and you can create healthy food at home, food that you trust at home. And it's it absolutely is an act of resistance. You know, you can even grow your own medicine. You can grow your own wellness
0: herbs and things like that. So what's some really easy stuff in New yeah, Orleans some to grow? Easy stuff? So okay. people like somebody who's like, I don't grow anything. Mm-hmm. You're like, OK, if you could plant one or two things and yes. they can help your food or your medicinal mm-hmm. purposes, what do you recommend to people to grow easy to grow cucumbers if you
1: have you know a little bit of space or you can build something that travels upward cucumbers grow like absolute crazy here even in all this dry heat we've had my cucumbers are going absolutely nuts um your warm herbs your basil is pretty easy to grow um I feel like I see a lot of mint, too, oh in New Orleans. And mint, you don't even have to try And to grow mint it. is great. <laughs> and
0: mint is so good. You can, yeah. you can have, spruce up all your cocktails and iced teas exactly. and desserts. Yes, and, and they're so
1: refreshing. It's also good for your belly. Yes. So, yeah, grow your mints, but put them in a pot. Don't put your mints in the ground because they'll spread everywhere. Um, Interesting. But a lot of our favorite herbs are mints like oregano and, you know, even basil. They're all in the mint family. Oh, really? So, yeah. They're all in this, you know. It's like one of those scientific families. I am. You know? lying. I don't know. I don't know a whole lot about that shit, but you know, they're all. <laughs> it's like how a thing. piano is a
0: percussion instrument. Is it? Yeah. Did you know that? Is it, are you sure it's not a string instrument? Aren't there strings it's in it too? It's a percussion instrument. What? Yeah, because the hammer makes the sound. Interesting. And oregano you know, is a that. mint family. Oregano's in the mint family. Yeah. This is some insider knowledge that we're gaining. It. Yeah that is really sorry i really me. threw you off of my, pe- <laughs> my fun fact about piano
1: yes oh my gosh that's so cool though i love to learn that um Isn't but it cool yeah easy to grow cucumbers basil um peppers are pretty easy to grow they like a lot of nutrition though so make sure you're making your compost okay when you're chopping up your veggies put them in the compost okay don't throw it away compost it's bad for the earth yeah compost yeah i want to start composting it's important you got to start composting because, you know, when food waste goes into the landfill, it creates methane gas, which basically destroys the ozone layer. And okay, food so waste is like 60 percent of our waste in America. So there's a lot of that shit. Jeez. <laughs> you know, just poking holes. Yeah. Through our
0: little blankie there. Composting's so easy. It, like if you have a yard, you can just do a tiny little corner and that can be your compost.
1: Exactly. Yeah. Just get like a bucket, a trash bin, poke some holes in it. Make sure you have some browns. You know, some hay, some, you know, old leaves and sticks. And then just throw your food in it. Mix it up every once in a while. And you get free dirt. And then you have free dirt, free nutrition for your garden. Aww. And that's like, it contributes to the cycle, you know. The shit you eat and that you throw away can break down and create more shit than you can eat. And then throw away and break down. You know, it's a cycle. And, you know, Mm -hmm. get in on it.
0: I get a lot of food waste knowledge from TikTok yes and a thing that i've recently started doing because i saw it on a tiktok is i save the tops of my strawberries and i freeze them and i put them in smoothies
1: yes because
0: they're edible they're just like a green yes
1: and the greens are so nutritious yeah
0: yeah, yeah, that's so cute i love that i'll put a lot in but i'll put a couple in you know Mm -hmm. that's
1: good yeah zero waste it's a way to do it at least food wise i'm still working to get better labor though is a garden i feel like a garden is so much labor. It depends. I mean, you can definitely craft a garden for yourself that is low labor. I did not do that. (laughs) (laughs) My garden takes a lot of labor because I was just like, let me just go all in, you know, as soon as I start um, because I was addicted. But you can definitely, (laughs) I would just say, start small. You know, even now, the most of the labor is setting up the garden and actually planting the plants. After that, you just have to water it and let let it grow. So there are laborious periods and then there are periods where you're just like, oh, my gosh, like so when am I going to have any peppers where, where there's cucumbers, like what do I even do with all the cucumbers, you know? So it's a lot, but also it's not that much once it's like established. Yeah. So but, you know, do it with a buddy, do it with a friend.
0: Do it with Kendra. Hire Kendra, Kendra. <laughs> to teach you how to build a backyard garden. Absolutely. I'll even come do it for free. Oh, because I believe in it. Everyone should have it. I mean, we have a giant rosemary bush out front Mm -hmm. and I stay taking rosemary off that bush whenever I absolutely can use rosemary. And it feels really cool to be able to just walk outside and break it off.
1: Yeah. Now imagine you chose a specific variety of tomato that you found in an heirloom catalog and you go out back and you pull it off your vine and you're like, ooh, let me get this gorgeous striped (laughs) pepper and you pick it off the tree and you throw those together in a salad. You could do that. Oh, that'd be so nice. You could so do that. Nice. And cucumber. Add a and cucumber. Add a cucumber. Oh, my gosh. Because gardening... Little vinaigrette. You can grow anything you want. The grocery store produce is whack. <laughs> it's absolutely whack. They have trash at the grocery store. <laughs> <laughs> I'll be honest. Those little red, grainy tomatoes where it's like there's 50 tomatoes in the, in the stack or whatever. Those things are absolute trash. They're not good. You can grow a much better tomato at home. I guarantee it. Damn. And you can grow... Pretty different colors, yellow, purple, green, like all these different, there's like a whole world of food diversity, biodiversity that we need to be eating. Dang.
0: You're selling me. I'm sold. I'm trying to sell you. I'm sold. I'll come help you. I think that you've sold a lot of people <laughs> listening too. Good. <laughs> <laughs> Everybody builds your gardens. Okay. <laughs> I'll, I'll ask you the million dollar question. If you had a bunch of millions of dollars in and you're in New Orleans, right? And you can do whatever you want with those bunches of millions of dollars. What would you do with it?
1: Buy for the a farm?
0: City. Oh, Bu- for the city? Well, oh. buy a farm. works. <laughs> buy a farm works. I mean, buy a farm. the idea is like it's know. like some sort yeah. of project to mm-hmm. help project to help the, city. the greater It can help you too. Mm. Yeah, I like the buy a farm idea.
1: I think you know, food justice. I would in, I'd invest in food justice and just environmental knowledge. I think needs to be invested in in new orleans you know and like environmental restoration and like restoration of the
0: soils down in this area what yeah. does food justice mean i know we are just kind of talking about it a little bit but that's also like that touches on the southern solidarity thing mm-hmm. and working with the houseless population it's like it is everyone should have access to food in mm-hmm. abundance it should not be a scarce Absolutely. resource right
1: yeah everyone should have access to food and it's increasingly become a scarce resource you know especially nowadays with you know the food shortages as they've been saying and the formula shortages and things that are happening but even before then you know people live in areas even in new orleans where there isn't a grocery store
0: food deserts
1: food deserts and there are places where you know the transportation isn't regular enough you know someone can't just ride a bus all the way to the grocery store with a big old bag of vegetables especially if they're you know in our older population or in our disabled population so there really does need to be more movements around bringing healthy food directly to the people and to the smaller communities and to the less wealthy communities you know and the communities that are being gentrified and you know people are food prices are even rising yeah where you know not everyone is going to want to shop at like rouse's Because a tomato there is going to cost three times as much as, like, a tomato at Dollar General. Right. You know, which is, like, you know, both still going to be grainy tomatoes. (laughs) I'll be honest. But, you know, but I think, you know, just empowering people to be more just about food and just, you know, if you have food waste at home, don't let it go to waste because someone else could be eating that, you know. Yeah. There's community fridges that you can give to So nowadays, many community so, fridges. We talked you know, about
0: that with Tanaj. Yeah. And um, I think
1: contributing to, you know, if you can cook a whole bunch of food, cook it and get it to the people in your community who you know are food insecure. Right. Because I think it's, you know, it's on all of us to support each other. Cause, so know, with your millions, trouble. you're going to
0: do education and you're going to buy a farm?
1: Buy a farm and do education. Yeah. I think, yeah. And maybe even just give a whole bunch of people some money because that's
0: nice. I mean, that's that's really that's, real nice. that's really like one of the pro moves, I think, with this question is to be like, just give the money to the people who need the money. But I, in, in my dream world, I'm like, but I would want to build systems, like mm-hmm. transformational systems that are different than what already exists, you know? Like, so true, yeah. like how you're saying bring the food to people, like that's mm-hmm. something you could do if you had like the resources to do it, you know?
1: Absolutely, yeah. Resources and also, you know, the community building power. Because even before, you know, Southern Solidarity had a whole bunch of resources, you know, they were just making food in someone's kitchen and right. bringing the sandwiches out to people, you know. And over time, you know, the resources grew, but it started as just a group of people wanting to bring food to people. So And they just did it. And they just did it
0: that's the thing about mutual aid is that you can do it right now where you're at with what you have if we can all ask ourselves in what way can i give myself to my community like what's my capacity to do that Mm -hmm. for the change that you want to see if we were all doing that stuff would change faster yeah
1: so much would be changing and so many people would feel so much more supported by their community and through participating in mutual aid you realize how supported you are, yeah, by your community. Like it's, it really does, it does return tenfold, you know. So, get get out there. Get out there. Do Start some mutual aid, whatever way you can. Um, we I
0: want to do an awkward jump to theater because I feel yeah. like they. There's no way but an awkward way because we mm-hmm. went from gardening to more performance art stuff. You've been performing. With different theater companies, but you did a big show with the Radical Buffoons.
1: Yes, we did uh, Redux in January, which was so exciting. Um, The story of how that all came to be was that we were supposed to do Rosencrantz and Guildenstern are dead before the pandemic, but lockdown shut us down. And then we all just kind of, you know, put that to the back burner and decided, let's devise something. Yeah, let's create something. So me, Ali and John just... Hung out in the room together for a year and a half. Yeah. <laughs> making that weird little thing.
0: Yeah, it was definitely it. a pandemic show. Like, you yeah. felt so much of flood pandemic Absolutely. in that show.
1: Yeah. It was definitely inspired by the pandemic and, like, being locked on computer screens, which was, like, that first kind of, like, you know, big change when all of a sudden we were, like, we're not having rehearsal anymore. We're going to meet on Zoom. You know, nobody come in. So, Yeah. It resulted from that first initial shock of like you know we're not together right now
0: what was the process like I know John does stuff really differently when it comes to (coughs) devising theater what was it like
1: yeah um, we really took it step by step you know the first day we came in we were like none of us has ideas you know and we're really starting from a blank slate Um, then we kind of decided Not necessarily a theme, but we wanted to decide, you know, how we're going to approach creation Um, because Rosencrantz and Guildenstern was based around that Shakespeare show. Uh (laughs) um, So we wanted to kind of do the same with like a Greek play. So we were like, well, there's this idea of the journey and all these Greek plays. So we wanted to craft something like that um, and just, you know really building off of what we were feeling in the moment you know the isolation and the fear and you know the political climate as well at the time um and so really it was just through bringing these things up in rehearsal and we decided okay these are our major themes and then we said who are the characters who's working in this world And you know John Green is like A clown guy mm-hmm. So we did a lot of Clown work um, <laughs> In buildings. People that aren't <laughs> Theater people are like What?
0: He's a clown?
1: He's, he's a clown Yeah he does You know a lot of clown And Commedia Del Arte Is really the Um kind of form of yeah. clown that we were yeah. working with. Yeah, of course. Um, so I know what you're talking chairs. about. <laughs> Thank you, Mary.
0: <laughs> I know what you're talking about. I just know <laughs> there's somebody listening that's like, I'm sorry, this man is a childhood birthday clown. Like, you know, like.
1: Yeah, well, I've seen him in a nose.
0: So you went from the framework to, do you guys do improv? Like, do you guys do scene work that's like improv based? Yeah,
1: oh my God. We did so much improv on Zoom.
0: Oh no, just, I'm so, so sorry. Improv
1: on Zoom, because we would be like, Okay we're gonna like live inside these characters And like explore your Zoom space And then there's like We were doing like things Where we were like exploring like The confines of this box And we did so much Zoom exploration Where I'm like at home Like on my little rolly chair <laughs> Like just moving around I would, have,
0: I would have thrown my computer across the room I
1: wanted to so many times And I cried so many times And <laughs> yeah It was really tough Cause we really had to be like vulnerable so there was like a period of you know zoom explorations and then there was like a writing phase where we created these characters in our zoom explorations yeah and then we took those characters and kind of wrote the script from them basically and yeah I definitely, most of my writing approach is like, let me just stream of consciousness. <laughs> and like, I was like, John will edit it when I bring it to this room. And John didn't edit it. <laughs> so He was like, yep, that's all good. I'm like, oh gosh everything
0: uh kindred just got recently was just asked to play a role which is such a big deal in the theater world for someone to basically offer you a role which means you don't have to audition Mm -hmm. which (laughs) is so nice like that's like the dream it's just be like can you just show up on this day and do this job it's like actually i can yeah i am an expert it was my dream
1: yeah Mm -hmm. it was uh rosalind in as you like it with Tulane shakespeare festival yeah and my god I was so excited to play that role. I was like, this is it. This is the role. I enjoyed it. I, enjoyed like it. I can't, I can't it even saw moment. it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it was good.
0: Were you already? Are you a Shakespeare <laughs> fan generally?
1: Not really. Um, I mean, I've, you know, read them all in my theatrical education. Of course. Whatever, but, you know, I'm not like gung-ho for Shakespeare or whatever, but I was excited to have as big of an opportunity my first like leading role in new orleans and
0: for it to be offered to you
1: yeah it was offered i was like whoa yeah (laughs) been working really hard and it felt good to you know see my efforts you know appreciated and yeah we worked hard at the show. We did great.
0: Y'all did do great. I was I was really happy with it. Um, this, is, like we said, is coming out way later, but y'all didn't finish the run of As You Like It. Right. Um, when Roe v. Wade was overturned, um, the night of that, where there's a protest downtown. A lot of you sounds like you wanted to go to the protest, but you had a show and like y'all are actors. So you committed. You're like, we, mm-hmm. we're going to be here. We're going to do theater. And also theater is very political. And But y'all weren't able to make it to the protest is a huge day. I mean, honestly, I would not have blamed you if that night y'all just didn't even do the show. You know what I mean? Like, I think that that would have been like an, a realistic thing to be like, you know what? I think tonight we just don't do it. <laughs> so I don't envy having to do Shakespeare Yeah. Well, the world is burn. You know what I mean. Like while the world is burning, so
1: it was tough. And especially like I don't know for my character, I'm like cross dressing in the woods, and I'm like saying thing like things like, oh, I thank God I'm not a woman. You know, as part of my character, and so it was just like acting. That particular night was like really hard. There's one (laughs) scene where I had to cry, and those were like actual like I'm I'm about to throw up tears. Yeah, it was so real, and yeah. We wanted to have a moment of solidarity with, you know, the people at the protest and the people who are affected by that ruling, but the higher-ups were not so pleased with it.
0: Yeah, Tulane Shakespeare wanted to to not happen, and then mm-hmm. um, it didn't happen. And then y'all didn't do any other shows. So y'all were like, you know yep. what? I think we're done with this festival. Luckily, you only had exactly. two shows left after that. Yep. Um, but still, I mean, it was a big choice to be like, you know what? We're good. Thanks for having us.
1: Yeah. It was a big choice and I just am thankful that, you know, the cast came together on it and we support each other in it and we engaged in Joyce activities with each other afterwards, you know. Because I think, you know, we all love theater, we all love and have a respect for Shakespeare and his work. And I think so much respect that like we can't let activities like that stand. And yeah. we can't you know we can't do the Shakespeare if we're not living by, you know, the values that the Shakespeare was created for, which is like, I mean, I think the time, I
0: think that's like the brutal part of making. Like being an artist that also like, you know, I'm not saying you didn't want to do Shakespeare, but I'm saying like, Shakespeare Fest is a big thing like it is something that like to, to have done it it's a big deal like it's an honor to be cast it's an honor to do it it's been around for a long time in New Orleans yeah. it's like a theater cornerstone in our city mm-hmm. and it's like you don't want to compromise your personal beliefs when you're making art. Like, you're making art. Theater is art, okay? It's not like I'm there as an accountant and, uh, yeah, maybe I shouldn't give my stance on Roe v. Wade. No, Mm -hmm. theater Theater is is art. Yeah, it's political. Exactly. What was your takeaway from that whole situation? I... Did you learn learn any valuable lessons?
1: I don't know that I learned any lessons. I think (laughs) I just am now more fortified and, like, I'm going to speak my truth (laughs) and I only want to work for places that will allow me to speak my truth or at least create art about my truth and you know if we're gonna do antiquated works that were political then we need to have something that actually relates you know involved you know because I do art for a purpose like I'm not just here to put on you know a fancy little show I love putting on a great show but if there's not some sort of meaning behind it or some sort of purpose or like an action item or something then right. to me it's kind of boring the why yeah the why i need the why to be supported you know or else it's just like pretty little things happening in front which is cute i love that too but it's not for me to be creating because i would rather be gardening yeah <laughs> <laughs> i'd rather be gardening
0: that's fair it sounds like your valuable lesson is that
1: yeah Exactly. Not
0: you'd rather be gardening, but the, the part before that.
1: Exactly, yeah. That is the lesson.
0: Stuff that lines up with your
1: values. And yeah, basically just my values are human rights. Okay. <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> Seems simple. like your values are pretty standard and should just be everyone's values.
1: Yeah. And I hate to say that because like everyone grows up in their places, you know, their times, their worlds, their communities, and their cultures. And that's awesome. But I think in general, in America, let's just relax and think about human rights. Yeah. Just just. (laughs) chill out. Stop being so freaked out by people who aren't like you. They're over there. okay? Mm -hmm. (laughs) they're not right here. They don't have to come in your house if you don't want them to. So just chill out and let them do what they got to do. It, I don't know. It's
0: simple to me. It's, I mean, it's simple to me, too, yeah. Kendra. I'm right there with you. <laughs> yeah. I feel 150% the same exact way, and I'm sorry that y'all had to deal with that. It's crazy that, it's, that we have to go back and fight all this stuff. My godmother, yeah. who was bi- a hippie in the 60s and 70s, is just like, I can't believe you now have to fight the fight I've already fought.
1: It's ridiculous.
0: It's, it's ridiculous. If it's a
1: right, let it be a right. Baby. Yeah. Yeah. Take stuff away. That's annoying.
0: <laughs> it's so criminal that they can just take away
1: Criminal, and you know what gives them the right? Honestly, obviously, the way the government is set up gives them the right, but like, what about we the people? They literally don't give a fuck. Most of the nation <laughs> supports abortion,
0: yeah. most of the nation supports abortion, exactly.
1: and it's just mind bogglingly.
0: These unelected, sad. unelected fucking rapists, fucking unelected. sexual assaulters, they mm. a- appointed by presidents that didn't get second terms. Be- uh-huh. Four of them have been appointed by presidents that didn't get second terms, which like how how are these people deciding <laughs> things about our nation?
1: Old ass,
0: hypocritical, yes, yeah.
1: <laughs> hypocritical. Seriously, dangerous, harmful. dangerous. Amy
0: Amy Coney Barrett is the least qualified justice in thirty years.
1: Ugh, uneducated, yeah, like oh, God. literally,
0: literally, and we're letting these fools. It's like let's so burn gross. it down. Let's burn go. it down,
1: Mary. We can't say that on the podcast.
0: No, I say it all the time. I'm like, let's burn it down, people. Let's burn it down. Let's start over. Like, okay. if you can imagine it, it <laughs> can exist. Everything was once yeah. somebody's imagination. Like, we yes. can change this.
1: We can change this. If you can imagine it, it can exist. Okay, take Use it your from the artists, people. Seriously, they are our most powerful tool because when you burn something down, you have to imagine. In order to build it up Mm -hmm. so we need to start the imagining we need to already start building up these new communities and these new ways of living even before we actually start the flames so that we're ready to continue surviving with joy and with love for each other and with safety you know so use that imagination start it now what would your life be like what's your ideal family like who would you live with in a community how many gardens do you want in this place i know i gonna <laughs> say
0: how many gardens will be there is really what we need to come back to and exactly. with that i think that we actually <laughs> yeah. hit our hours so i'm very yeah. glad that we got back to gardens me
1: too me too
0: because we all know what your one true love is it's gardening it's above all it's else
1: literally watching little things grow like new growth on a plant because it's just pure hope it's like that little new fresh growth it's like it's gonna get bigger it's gonna keep growing it's just beautiful to
0: see. The possibilities. The like you can propagate and they can become so many other plants.
1: Exactly. Like, the abundance that I learned from gardening. Like yeah. We have enough in this world for everybody.
0: It's so true. And it is truly something that I observe nonstop. Yeah. There is so much abundance. And the way capitalism works is by convincing us mm-hmm. there's scarcity. Exactly. And that fear of scarcity has kept so many people controlled.
1: Exactly. And that's what really why I tell people to garden because it's really for that lesson yeah is that abundance even if you don't grow 50 million plants like one plant will teach you abundance for sure damn
0: that is beautiful you guys are welcome this is free <laughs> this is free listen to this metaphor we got to it took us an hour but we got no. to the most beautiful metaphor garden of life bro it's imagination yeah sow it care for it. it yes <laughs>
1: <laughs> so with the gardening metaphors <laughs>
0: uh, out of hands. Uh, yeah K- uh kendra what um so the last question i always ask everybody is the same question um who do you think should be on the podcast
1: um laura definitely okay laura who owns dancing laura, grounds owns dancing grounds laura sign great person um she loves community she loves dance so she you know and she's great a great chatter great conversationalist um
0: Okay, so Laura of Dancing Grounds, I lo- I love this idea, and I'm definitely gonna have her on at some point because Dancing Grounds gets so many flowers from people all of the time, telling me how incredible it is, and I swear I will go there one day and what? do her class and dance and look like a fool and love every second of it. Absolutely, can't wait, Kendra. Thank you so much for coming on the podcast. Thank you for having me, Mary. Yeah, I'm so happy you were here, and you're the best. And um thank you and y'all be in touch thank you again to this episode's guest planet nola is produced by carrie Mulder and mary jacobs if you liked what you heard here please consider subscribing to us on youtube or all your social media platforms and pretty much anywhere you get podcasts also if you really really liked this episode think about subscribing to our patreon where we have tons of bonus content from this episode and more starts at just five dollars a month and it would mean the world to us thanks so much y'all and be in touch